You are listening to Lord Have Mercy, a podcast about God, sex, and the Bible. I'm your host, Crystal Cheatham, and today on the show, we have Candace Zubernot. She is a writer, a speaker, and a therapist. She's also a married lesbian, Christian woman, and mother of twins. She's the founder of The Christian Closet, a web-based counseling practice where she specializes in seeing those needing a safe place to reconcile their faith with their sexual and gender identities. And now, Candace. Where are you calling me from? Yeah, I'm from um, San Diego. Mm-hmm. And so, but when I left, I was like, I'm out of here. I'm never moving back to California. But, you know, and then we moved back like 12 years later. And I'm like, oh, I can't believe I wanted to leave this. Like, wait, where'd you yeah. move to? I I went to undergrad in Chicago. Okay, and then, to the cold. <laughs> Yeah, graduate school in Seattle, and then we moved um, back to Chicago, and so we were kind of ping-ponging between Seattle and Chicago. And um, But now that we're back, now that I'm in California, I'm like, oh, yeah, we'll never leave, probably. It's You're great. here for good. That's awesome. How did you meet your wife, partner? Um, yeah, she's my wife. Yeah. Uh, we went to a seminary together. Okay. Um, wow. What got yeah. you into seminary? That's like, that's a, that's a really sexy story. That's like a novel, you know? <laughs> super hot. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. I know. Anytime someone's like, we met in seminary, I'm like, oh, I know the hotness of that. Right? Like, Forbidden and love. And, totally. You know, <laughs> the whole gender thing. And yeah, that's awesome. Where did you guys go to seminary? The Seattle School of Theology and Psychology. Okay. Mm-hmm. Rock on. Um, so yeah, I had wanted to actually started out as an MDiv major, wanting to become a pastor, and um, ended up switching to counseling. But just loved always. I've always just loved the Bible. And um, did you grow up religious? I grew up in a Christian house. Yeah, um, my parents okay. like evangelical Christians. You know. Yeah. Church on Sundays, Sunday night, Wednesday night. All of it, right? Yeah. Missionary. My parents were going to be missionaries at one point in my life. So My parents my were parents. missionaries at one point in my life. Oh, wow. Right? Wow. We Yeah. Well, my mom is from Zambia, Africa, so we went back to Zambia so that my mom could do, like, her nursing thing and my dad could do, like, the whole you know, preaching elder thing. Um, yeah, I think it's hilarious to tell people that because yeah. – <laughs> just because – I actually totally wanted to be a missionary at one point in my life. Like, it's Ugh. the colonizing we can do. <laughs> yeah, right. And then you start to think about, wait, what is it, and why do I actually want to go? And right, like, why don't I just stay here and and help people in any capacity at all? But yeah, so tell me, tell me about your your whole like your whole queer Christian journey because everybody has that like harrowing journey of I came out in the church and then you know shit hit the fan and um <laughs> and then here I am ta-da I'm a professional <laughs> it's so true yeah yeah um it's funny because you're right like if someone were to take look at a picture of my family today uh they'd be like wow it looks so easy and nice to be you so domestic and, <laughs> yeah look at you and your white picket fence and <laughs> your smiling faces, um, and to absolutely to look back in those years of tears and like 
I have these snapshots of places, you know, like this one park, this one time that I was like on my knees at a park with my Bible crying, screaming to God, like those snapshots, you know, are in my mind that you're right. Like not everybody gets to know those. Um, yeah, you just described but, every queer kid's nightmare. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I came out to my parents, and now my life is ruined. Yeah, and uh, for me, coming out was kind of, and it's not unique, but it was a little, little bit different just because when I was discovering that I was a lesbian, like, there wasn't a whole, like, oh, there's gay people out there. Yeah. There wasn't, there wasn't even really, like, Reparative therapy wasn't even really a thing. Really? Uh, there, I, there definitely was not like gay Christian people or mm-hmm. queer Christian people. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a struggle um, to be resisted. And so to well, even process it as a part of my identity mm. or something to accept, that wasn't a concept. Yeah. When, how old were you when you came out and what, what specifically was the struggle? Because, I mean, was it, you know, the struggle with this isn't a real thing or I don't even know what I'm feeling or was it a struggle with um, what your parents had taught you and what you grew up knowing about, quote unquote, homosexuals in the church? <laughs> homosexuals. Yeah. Well, it's kind of strange because my parents, not that I remember ever said one word to me about homosexuality the church we went into it were a part of my whole life like I don't remember a thing that they said about it yet like Hmm. when I had this first experience I was actually in college of oh my god like I think I like my friend and she's a girl and I'm a girl um I knew it was horrible right I knew it was a sin I knew it was a freak I knew I was going to hell but when I think about like but how did I know that? I don't know how I knew that. Mm-hmm. But I knew it in every fiber of my being that, like, this was wrong and I was bad. Um, Tell me the story of crushing on your friend, though. That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. I mean, it was, it was awesome and horrible because to have a first, like, whoa, I am experiencing an intensity of emotion and liking someone that I've not gotten to have before. Mm-hmm. I, sure, I liked guys before, but not like this, like, whoa, yeah. this is a new experience. It is so intoxicating and fun and wild. And yet I was at a Bible college and yet I thought it was horrible. So it also took me down a path of self-hatred of, um, really feeling like God must hate me. Um, I often wonder like it was who I would be, who I would have been in that season because I, I started to believe myself to be like, I I was depressed. I started getting like an anxiety disorder. I was harming myself. Um, to think of college as like a fun social time. It wasn't that anymore. It's, it was none of that cool, fun stuff that college would be. It was a painful struggle every single day. Um, and she liked me back, but we both knew like nothing could ever happen. And so, um, nothing, nothing occurred between the two of us. Um, just sort of like a push pull of let's hang out. Oh gosh, I really like you. Let's avoid each other for a couple weeks. 
um yeah no I don't think people know that like when when you I mean at least for me when I went from that that place of um oh I'm supposed to like guys so I can just invent these scenarios where you know I like them and they like me and we can be in relationships and it's all pretty much play but then when you go from like from like that to actually loving or caring or being into someone of the same gender it's like pleasantville right it's like it's like everything's black and white and then everything's full color and it's like whoa this is what this is what romance and love is like this is this is amazing and this is not so logical as i once thought that it was like it's way more complicated man absolutely and it feels like when you see color isn't that amazing and and yet you're like this yeah it just got complicated and and so color becomes painful and glorious all at the same time yeah Um, Hmm. but it wasn't until like years and years later where I had my first kiss with a woman because I had resisted it for so long (laughs) um and, and like that it was like oh my gosh I now know God blesses me I now know God blesses this um I don't feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit at all when I very much feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit in other places in my life, right? Like, I feel connected to God. I I feel a connection when I feel that there's something that I'm doing wrong or um, I'm not getting that conviction when I'm kissing this girl. Like, so it can't be that, um, for me, at least in my experience, that was... Uh, the biggest turning point of my entire life. What do you mean conviction? Like a negative conviction? Like, I guess I'm a little confused. Are you saying that you felt close to God when you actually kissed a girl or you did not feel that God was there? Oh, okay. I felt very close, closer than I had felt in a long time where let's say I'm trying to make up a scenario where, you know, maybe I um, broke, broke the law. I sped through a stop sign. Mm-hmm. Uh, or a stoplight, um, not a stop sign, but a stoplight. Okay, and not that there was like a huge like, oh my god, I'm such a bad person. But there guilt. was like a yeah, a, yeah, a, f- a feeling of guilt of conviction of like, man, that was I could have hurt myself, I could have hurt someone else, yeah. I broke the law. Um, not to overthink something like that, but but there is that twinge of, ooh, I don't want to do that again. I need to be more mm-hmm. aware that mm-hmm. wasn't okay. Yeah, um, and when I kissed a girl it it couldn't have been more opposite it was like blessing and wholeness and goodness and feeling god's presence there so um it to me i I went from like this was this horrible bad part of me to whoa i think god actually really is like cool with this (laughs) wow Um, this is powerful powerful kiss (laughs) Yeah. Is she still in your life? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm serious. There needs to be like a, like a, like a, like, I don't know, an indie film about this. I mean, there's all these, all the good parts, right? Yeah. How, um, yeah, I guess I just wanted to like, how did you, I guess that answers the question of how you reconciled your faith with, um, your orientation. It did. It did. Because before that, I mean, there was probably, was it maybe about seven years before that happened? So my first Mm. attraction to my friend in college, to this first kiss, there were seven years of 
just being depressed, alone, struggling, single, not knowing, single, not virginal. Knowing about, virginal. Well, I wasn't single. I actually got engaged to a man at one point. Shit. Yeah, who was a pastor. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you had a vision and he was just like the the wrong the wrong one. Yeah, I mean crazy? I was I was searching for truth. I was searching for freedom and I found a, I found a church that okay. felt like man, they've got the truth. And um the, the I confessed to the head pastor my attraction for women and you know, he was like you have to cut off any relationships with like Anyone that's like supporting you, anyone that's even no. like praying with you about this, anyone that used to be gay who's no longer gay, um, and we're going to be your everything. We're going to be your family. We're going to be your friends. And you know, by the way, like go on a date with our associate pastor, and um, it was really a very scary, manipulative time for me. Um, just the way that they use scripture to kind of um, sort of bring my self-esteem down mm-hmm. as far as like me sort of being this weak woman. They gaslit you. Yeah. So it was really, um, there again, I really feel like it was God at one point saying, run, um, get out of there. And, and I, I thought that I was just as bad as they said I was. Yeah. Um, but I was like, I know that I have to get out of here. Mm. Um, and I mean, that's really telling for somebody who had spent their life studying scripture and being in those kinds of communities for you to, to, to have that in the back of your head, like, no, this isn't quite right, or I can do so much better for myself than what's going on here. Um, I don't know, I think that you, at least for many people that I know, when they're entrenched in that kind of um, uh deep lifestyle kind of Christianity, it's really hard to see, um, you know, the spots on the wall. It's really hard to see um, that, you know, any any other pattern besides the one that's constantly being presented to them. Um, yeah. How do you think that well, you... Wh- who, yeah. yeah. I, I hear what you're saying. And the thing is, I agree. Like, like if they, they would use scripture to, you know, like I said, the, to sort of show how... Um, bad or weak or misguided I was. The clobber texts and all that stuff. That or even just as a female who was no. um, trying to have a thought for herself or question their authority, right? Because there there was also things that I had told the pastor in confidence that he didn't hold in confidence. Um, what? What church is this? <laughs> no. So when I, when I sort of, you know, expressed concern and, and upsetness, it there was even scripture to use to say that, you know, he is essentially connected to God in a way that I wasn't and I had to trust him as the head pastor, et cetera. So at the time when all of those things were happening, I was like, they are right. I think that this pastor is right. I'm just this sort of weak, dumb woman. But all I know is something in my soul is saying, even if they're right, I have to get the hell out of here. And I think that thing in my soul was like, God and the trueness of who I am um because once I did leave there it was like oh my god like I realized I had lost so many of my friends and I realized I used to be um into art and painting and I loved it and that went away you couldn't do that right I I used to 
um, be, like dress in a creative way. No way that went away. Like I suddenly was like, whoa, I was gone. And um, that's not what church and, and God and spirituality is supposed to do to you at all. No, it's supposed to be the opposite. So I think, I mean, to me, it was a miracle that I got out of there and um, found friends. My friends came running back like, oh, my gosh, we're, you know, so <laughs> we're so glad, glad you're and, out of that cult. <laughs> and let great. us remind you about who you are. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Um, it took a while for me to feel okay about myself, um, mm. just even in general, outside of my sexual orientation. What were the outside just, things that you were that were influencing you into like this land of positivity and goodness and hope and freedom to be creative. I really, it really was my friends. Mm -hmm. They gave me enough love and support um, to, you know, maybe one day I was like, maybe, maybe just, maybe I'll get my paints out again. No, that sounds dumb. Don't do it. (laughs) Well, maybe just try. Yeah. Okay, and then experiencing that, like, oh my God, this feels so good and so right. And yeah, I know what that's like. And when well, you, what are you thinking of when you say I know what that's like? I mean, I know what it's like just to let go completely of everything that that keeps you happy and keeps you whole in order to streamline yourself for like this one goal that you're trying to accomplish. Um, and ultimately, what you end up doing is just putting yourself on a little island. But yeah, I know what that's like, for mm-hmm. sure. I were these or did these friends continue to to boost you up and lift you up? Um, years later, when you found your now wife and and smooched her, hmm. big old smooch. <laughs> <laughs> some did and some didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, of course, incredibly painful there wasn't one of them who quickly came along. Um, I have some of my really good friends say, I love you and I'm not going anywhere, but like, I need to think about this. I have friends that like took a year to study and we, I barely talked to them. Um, and they can't, you know, most of them came back to say, I love you. I'm in this with you. Um, but, that transition wasn't so easy because they had really fought with me against it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd come to them, man, I'm struggling with my liking a girl. Let's pray. Okay, we're going to pray and fast together. And, and so I got that that transition would be hard for them. Mm-hmm. I think that's really brave, though. I think when I was trying to come out, there was no... Um, there was no middle ground for me. I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable going to people and saying, I have this weird attraction for women and I don't know what to do with it, you know, because like that kind of sexual sin, letting people know about like what you wanted sexually. I mean, and it's way more than, than sex, of course, but like letting people know that one thing was so and completely embarrassing and dirty and you know I just I completely ran away from that so when I came out it was like you know (laughs) either I'm in the pot or I'm not in the pot there's no like you know standing on the brim it's I'm in or I'm out Um, and once I was out I was out it was just like everybody had to know and it wasn't a question it was just like this this is me it's what I am it's who I am Um, yeah so did you sort of it was like 
most of the people in your life found out around the same time then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Pretty much all within a couple months of each other. Wow. It was like, you know, <laughs> you open the box, confetti comes out and there's crystal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was awesome. Uh, that, How did, I was just going to say, I, because I've worked with other people who have had that kind of story there, I know that that's not without pain and its own level of intensity for everyone to find out at the same time. Mm-hmm. But I, I definitely have, I envy that at times because my coming out was years and years and years and years long. And so that meant not telling, you know, like slowly you, I started to isolate from the people who didn't know. Um, so my world became smaller um, and you know, even just building new friendships or even trying to be a therapist while not being out. I mean, those, those was really, really hard. Yeah. Um, and so for me, it was sort of, you know, this year I tell that person and then I don't tell another person for like two years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so are you completely out now? Oh yeah. Everybody yeah, yeah. and everything. Yes. I, um, did you I ever did. think that you would get here? You're a big, what? <laughs> A big lesbian, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Big dyke, I see it all over your face, yes. <laughs> um, no way did I I would get here. Holy crap. Uh, it is a total dream and no yeah. way in a million years. I know, right? I wonder what letter I would send back to my old self if I could right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I would. I would say to myself, like, go and have fun. And like God loves you, and like date lots of women, have a good time, um, find a church that like is open and affirming, and mm-hmm. get involved. Mm-hmm. I yeah. I did not have to suffer as much as I did, and that it huh. was sad for me. Huh. So how um. And I want to I want to segue into the work that you're doing now. Um, how did you how did you prepare yourself to um, come out to your family, or how did your family end up taking it? Yeah, I mean they were all like so. I come from a really loving Christian family, but I was pretty certain of their rejection of me. Um, and so it did, it came out in sort of phases and in years to different people. Mm. Um, and the, the hardest person was my dad to come out to. I I waited the longest. Um, and this is going to sound kind of strange, but one day I thought, you know, I'm going to be really relieved when he dies because Mm. I'll finally be able to be myself. Mm -hmm. And I love my dad. We are, I mean, we are very close. And Mm -hmm. so literally I thought, I cannot bear to feel relieved on the day my dad dies. I have to tell him. So I li- like hmm. I was living in Seattle. He was in San Diego. Then ne- I made a like flew down the next weekend, and was like, even I know he's going to reject me, but that's better than like feeling good when he passes, right? Like, Absolutely. Um, <laughs> oh God! And- but you did the hard thing, though. That is like such a huge. Uh, process to take internally, you know, and not only internally, but also physically and financially, you're just like, no, I'm going to oh. go do this thing, this thing. Yeah. So I waited all weekend, right? It's like, I'm going to tell him, nope, 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 <laughs> no. we're in the car on the way to the airport. 
<laughs> and you're like, I'm bye, okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm gay, okay, bye. And I literally was like, okay, so if he pulls out and tells me I have to get out of the car, like, who can I call to take me to the airport? Um, this might be the last time I see my dad. Um, and so I tell him that I'm in a relationship and he's like, you know, I know your heart for God and I trust you and I love you. And, um, I am sad that you've suffered and you don't have to spend your life trying to please me. And I was like, what? You were like, shut the fuck up. What? (laughs) Exactly. I mean, you get out of the car, you get out of the car. Cause this is crazy. (laughs) And so it, I mean, that is more mind, almost more mind blowing to me than like the beautiful life I get to have right now that Mm -hmm. here's my, the most Christian guy I know, uh, Mr. Devotional Everyday Missionary Guy was like, I, I know your heart for God and that's enough for me and I love you. Jeez. Um, and, and I'm sure celebrate th- us at our wedding and celebrates oh. my kids. Um, so I'm pretty lucky. And he's kind of the, you know, the head of the entire family. He's the so, patriarch. Yeah, so when he was okay with it, it was really easy for everyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, before I told him, there were definitely family members who was, it was harder for them and it was really painful. And our relationship was strained for years. Um, huh. But his support really had a huge impact on everyone. And I'm, so, I'm sure that as somebody who um, loved reading, that he probably went and like did the work for himself, which is just educating himself about you know, what the Bible really does say and what other scholars have said around the whole issue of homosexuality. Um, what a what a big and wonderful man. Mm. He's a good guy. Yeah, I'm really, really lucky. <laughs> he gets a Queer Dad of the Year award. He does. And, you know, I have this photo of us because then a couple of years, like, was it, I came out and then maybe a year and a half later, he's like, oh, there's um, San Diego Pride is having a 5K. Do you want to run it with me? what so literally it's like me and my dad and my mom my mom's like I'll cheer you on I'm like holy crap how is this happening we're surrounded by like men in speedos and drag queens on roller skates and like Mr. Church guy and me are at the pride 5k um we had so we have this picture of us in front of this huge gay pride flag that is so cool um yeah the a couple like one or two years after I came out to my mom, um, I was away during Pride and Pride was happening in New York and we're I'm in Philadelphia, she's in Connecticut, we can meet at New York and she was like, Crystal, I really wanna go, let's do this, let's do this and I just couldn't make it. And so a couple weeks later I ended up taking her to the Philadelphia Dyke March. And I just could not believe that I was like like marching, like walking around the city, like with dykes on bikes and like, you know, women with n- nipple tassels, which is not something that I really wanted to do next <laughs> to my mom. Um, but yeah, like it was just like, it was, it was amazing to see that my mom had such a large capacity for love and acceptance and for putting herself in uncomfortable situations, you know, like I don't, right? On your behalf. Yes, yes. And on the, I mean, and, you know, she completely was my cheerleader to um, family members because, you know, I come from a fundamentalist family and um, totally was that woman. So 
we need to do like a like a gay pride for parents. <laughs> yeah. Put them on some floats, make them grandmasters. Uh, <laughs> really I cool. remember a couple years ago, and I know that um, GCN does this the like the parent hug. I've, I'm yeah, getting it wrong, they call it, mm-hmm. but um, I think it was two or three years ago. I was thinking like, well, I don't really need a hug from a parent because my parents support me. Um, but I thought, you know, I'm just going to go and I don't know. I don't know what I just thought I'm going to try. I'm just going to hug this parent. And even though my parents love and support me, I mean, I totally cried. Like there was something about hugging another parent and feeling that love that was really powerful. Mm. And I, I sometimes wonder if parents understand that, like, Really, what is it like for your child when you um, reject them? And even if your rejection says, I love you, but mm-hmm. um, that it is, it's devastating to us. It's our whole, it's our whole world. Um, I don't know if parents sometimes get that. Is that, is that one of the reasons why you started um, working with families around LGBT issues? Yeah, I think in really, I mean, becoming a parent myself helped me kind of go, oh, uh I get a lot of things that I didn't get before about Mm -hmm. my parents or parents in general. And so that opened up a lot of grace in my heart. Um, And then also seeing my own, especially my mom's process of going from calling me with the Bible, telling me I was going to hell to her dancing her ass off at my wedding, like, you know, those years and years and years of that process, getting to see that really has made me feel really soft and tender towards parents and knowing it's not easy for them either. And they deserve to have space and time to grieve. Um, But at the same time, like, really wanting to challenge them and help them see the impact that they have on their kids' lives um, in hopes of, like, that opening their hearts more and more. Um, Hmm. Yeah, I very much respect the process that they go in. Um, Mm -hmm. And so you you wrote a book about, um, it's called The First 90 Days, a devotional for parents and families of LGBTQ children. Um, Was that based at all on your practice? I, not really. I mean, a little bit. Most of it, I was thinking about grief. um, Mm -hmm. And that each one of us, when we realize that we're gay, we we enter the grief process. And when we come out to our parents, they enter a grief process. Mm -hmm. You know, anger, denial, all, you know, all those kinds of things. And I was thinking, gosh, I really wanted to provide something for parents that maybe walked them through that grief process. Um, And not something that was long, because when I'm grieving, the last thing I want to do is read a even 10-page chapter of a book. Yeah. (laughs) You know, when I'm grieving, I can read a paragraph, two paragraphs, and then that's all I can really take. And Mm -hmm. so that's what, so I wanted each page, each like a day, every day something a parent could read, something small to hang on to to get through that day to get to the next day in hopes of that guiding them through all the way till 
maybe some place of acceptance. What was, why did you make a devotional? Like so few people make devotionals. I mean, everybody who listens to the podcast knows that I'm working on um, the Bible app specifically for devotionals so that, you know, uh, the other kinds of Christians also have content that speaks, Mm. that speaks to their, whatever their diverse issues are. Um, But it's rare that you actually you know, get the, this, like, I, what I believe to be this magical format of, of the devotional. Um, what had you, huh? (laughs) (laughs) I think because I connected with exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I thought if I was a parent, this is, this is what I would want. I, um, I would want a, yeah, a devotional that I could read every day that was, um, that connected me to God, that connected me to myself, that connected me to my child, um, in a place where I feel lost and alone. Um, because so many parents, they are just as isolated as their kid is, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think, I mean, the word devotional has so many connotations, but for a lot of us, it, it's pretty comforting to sit down with something, words on a page that we connect with that also help us connect to God and the Bible. Hmm. And I've, I've, um, I haven't read the whole book, but I, um, have been reading bits and pieces here. And what I really enjoy, like you said, is that it's the, some of, some of the worship thoughts are just so short, such tiny little nuggets. Um, and they are like jam packed full of, of truth and, um, respite you know like this really great place to I mean if I save it in my head and I and I return to it throughout the day it's kind of like this wonderful you know morsel to just continue to 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 gnaw on you know and and work out my feelings with so um yeah I would totally recommend parents pick up this book I would totally recommend family members download it and send it to people um, right now, it looks like it's just available on Kindle. Uh, yeah. yeah, so it's just an ebook. Okay. Uh, yeah. But w- definitely, if someone's like, "Hey, I, I don't read an ebook or whatever," yeah, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I don't have a like a hard copy that looks like a book I can send you. But message me, and and I'm happy to um, email you the the PDF, and you can print that off. And I know it's not the same as holding a book, but yeah, uh, that's yeah. so cool. Candace, where can people um, find you if they do want to catch up with you after this after this uh, uh, episode? Yeah, the easiest is my um, practice website, which mm-hmm. is thechristiancloset.com. <laughs> Um, <laughs> when I was like, what should I name this thing? I was like, you know, there's so many LGBT people who are in the closet about being Christian and there's so many Christian people who are in the closet about being LGBT. Right? Oh, what a double-edged sword. <laughs> so I was like, it is the Christian closet. It is just the closet. It's so, all of us. <laughs> <laughs> so I named it that. Um, I know it sounds kind of kind of quirky, the name, but um, so that talks more about my practice and I, I see all my patients on the web. Um, so I see people all over the world. Mm. And then on that website, you, there's also a link to my blog. Um, so I also write and um, that's CandaceSubernot.com, which my last name is hard to spell. That's why it's easier to just go to 
thechristiancloset.com and click on the my blog page. I'm glad that you pronounced it because, oh my gosh, so hard. (laughs) I was like, no, it's just Candace. Like, I'm not going to try (laughs) and pronounce it. (laughs) There's a lot of letters hidden in there. There are. I know. And when um, we were, my wife and I were trying to decide, like, so, you know, what will we do with our last name? Who, you know, will we create a new one? Oh, cool. That's fun. Um, my, it's, it's a Polish name and I have felt really connected to that part of my heritage. Um, and, and so I just said, you know, I, will you take mine? And, um, and she said, okay, I can't believe I'm doing this, but okay. Um, yeah. So we're all (laughs) Zubernauts. Yes. And now (laughs) Zubernauts. Zubernaut, is that how I pronounce it? Yeah. Zubernaut. Zubernaut. <clears throat> all domesticated with your two kids and your practice and, and your wife um, preaches? She's no, she is uh, in education. Okay, um, okay. Yeah. Wow. So, so domesticated. But, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know. We cook dinner every night. It's right? Really <laughs> Some kind of power, power lesbian couple here. I love it. I love it so much. Um, Candace, thank you so much for jumping on this with me. It really means a lot to me. And I know it's going to mean a lot to the listeners once this like hits the airwaves. I am so glad. And honestly, it's a dream for me, um, to think about all the days that I desperately wanted to be myself and couldn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I feel so grateful that I get to, um, share who I am and share my story and hopefully have one person out there say like, Oh, Maybe I can be me too. Mm, Amen to that. Hey y'all, it's here. Our Bible app finally has a launch date. And if you want to get the app for free when it drops, simply go to ourbibleapp.com and sign up. And while you're there, take a look at our Zebracorn t-shirt collection. We are selling them as a campaign to help further raise funds for the app. So check it out at ourbibleapp.com slash merch. And now... It's that time of the show again, where you listeners get to write or call in with questions about God, sex, and the Bible. If you have a question for Rev Sex, write to hi at crystalcheatum.com. And now, Rev Sex. Someone would say, oh, you're pregnant. What are you having? And I would say, a baby. And they'd be like, but what are you having? I'm like, I'm having a baby. You know, just yeah. I've not letting it go of like, what is the urgent need to know so desperately if something if a human being has certain parts under certain pieces of their diaper, you know, so, so intense. And so as best I could to try to create some distance between my child's own self perception, and what the world was inevitably going to force down their throat, depending on because I mean, we just got off a call with Candace who talked about um, being accepted by her father after seminary school, and she didn't even expect him to have that acceptance. And then she wrote a devotional about um, parents being able to accept their gay and lesbian teens. And here you are, a woman of a woman of God, a woman after God's own heart, um, saying that you don't even want. You don't even want to pre-label your kid before they are ready. And so how old is your kid? Just turned seven. <laughs> and are you comfortable talking about whether they are female-bodied or male-bodied? They 
I don't feel comfortable talking about that. But right now, my kid uses both she and her pronouns as well as they and them pronouns. Mm -hmm. And do you think that they feel any kind of weirdness, but uh, you know, about that around like other kids their age? Well, it's really funny. Um, well, two things. One, I want to go back to what you were saying about being um, someone of faith, because I think for me, it's really important. I believe that gender is something that God gives to us equal to our sexual desire and orientation equal to our purpose and calling. And so for me, it is a desire to let that discovery process unfold with my child between that human and God, their creator, and their experience of what makes them feel most alive and most full and most happy in the world. And mm-hmm. so it is deeply rooted in my faith. Um, it feels important that my kid, the best they are able, be able to discover their gender the same way that I believe God has gifted us with purpose and with sexual orientation, sexual desire that isn't prescribed, but rather gifted by God and something to be encountered and discovered and part of living our own individual call um, and in relationship with creator. So for me, it isn't... um, so much about my responsibility to make the world feel comfortable with my child, but rather to make my child feel comfortable with themselves enough to be able to really go deep and discover what are the gifts that they've been gifted and whether those characteristics are assigned to women or men or girls or boys, but rather to just go into a place of really striving for authenticity and connection with creator and seeing the gifts of gender as something that developed throughout our lives are things that we get to discover about ourselves and should be celebrated as we acquire them with great joy. So I can say that for my particular kid, um, they really love sparkly things and they really love mm-hmm. frilly things and they are their style is kind of like a rock star. So they like they really like frilly things, but once it gets too frilly, then they're like, oh, nope, that's too far. I want it solidly. They say a little bit plain and a little bit fancy. Um, and that comes in all different kinds of clothing. And my kid also can ride a motorcycle. And that's part of what they really are excited about doing. And they oh. can build projects um, with their father, with the best of them, and can talk through complicated mechanics and engineering solutions for why the car um, isn't working. And they can also have a fantastic time painting their nails. And for me, that is about much less about whether or not they are assigned or identify as boy or girl, but rather being really into whatever it is that they're actually into rather than someone saying, well, that's not for little girls or that's not for little boys. And you think gender gets in the way of that? I think that we have put them into boxes that are so tight that they don't leave enough space for people to actually be authentic. Um, And that for me is a crime against God because God, if we look at the parallel in creation, is by no means stingy with God's abundance in terms of color and style and shape and ways of forming community and kinship. And for us to say there's only one way, one box, this one or that one, nothing in between, nothing outside the boxes. And those silly things change all the time. You know, there was a time where girls were assigned the color blue Um, and now girls are supposed to be pink and now it's fashionable for 
a man to wear a pink shirt because it's like edgy or whatever. It's just like, that's ridiculous and totally constructed. And I feel like flies in the face of being able to really engage deeply with what God hopes for us, which is to be our most full, authentic, abundant selves. Because I don't think God created us to be boring. God created us to be beautiful manifestations of the divine in many forms and ways, and the least of which is certainly not creativity, because we all are different and imbued with such amazing abilities to create beauty and love and life and fullness in the world. Do you think your kid will grow up and choose their own gender pronouns? Yeah, for a long time, my kid, um, I have a really cute video from when they were starting preschool, and we went through this whole thing, and I said, you know, I'm going to be talking to your teachers, what do you think, um, would you like for people to use he or she or they, and my kid goes, I don't want them to use any of those, mama, I want them to use my name or nicknames, oh. I like nicknames, and I like my name, but I don't want people using any of those three. And so for a long time, um, we really worked hard and struggled because it's hard not to use any gender pronouns, but we worked really hard to not because that was their request that they didn't want those. They wanted their name um, or a nickname. And you can do that with possessives. Pronouns take the place of the actual name. So you can always just go back the other way. And then we had a check in a while ago, maybe two years ago now when they were five, four or five. And, um, I said, you know, <clears throat> so many people insist on using these uh, girl-assigned pronouns, these she and her. And I know that we had talked about this before, and I also use gender-neutral pronouns, um, even though I identify as a woman. And it really frustrated me that we would tell people, even people in our community who we love, family members, and they would still revert back to she for both my kid and me. And uh -huh. My kid just is so full of grace and just taught me so, teaches me, continues to teach me, but in that moment taught me so much. And um, my kid said to me, it's okay, mama. They're, they're doing their best. And if they need to use that pronoun for them, like if they need to project that onto us, I don't want to like interrupt conversation or cause a big stir about it because what do I care? I know who I am. Your and it kid just is was so like, smart. <laughs> Such a moment of grace, you know, yeah. I get so defensive as a mama around people using, pronouncing my kid's name right and using the right pronouns and be, showing respect for that person as another human being, even though they're small. And my kid just so full of grace and generosity to be like, it's okay, mama. And, and honestly, like, it's about them. It's about their ability or not to be able to categorize us. We get to say and be who we are on the inside, even if they can't quite get it right. And so we just, in that moment, kind of made a pact that we were going to understand and work on our stuff for ourselves. And if other people needed to put that on us, that we weren't going to be angry and hostile about it. And that really helped me learn uh, some kindness, some grace around something that I'm usually pretty hardcore about, um, especially when it comes to my kids. So I think that they continue to choose their own gender and I am open to that changing and at some point they say you know I want a different name that's going to be hard for me because I chose I spent a long time choosing that name but I would also be like you know if you have a name that fits who you are in the fullness of what your authenticity looks and feels like I will absolutely honor and support that but it's about that it's part of my faith it isn't it isn't just a random political 
stance that I'm making to make the world more difficult for some people or more laborious for people who don't understand, but rather it's deeply rooted in what I believe to be true about God's gift of gender and, um, and how we as parents and caregivers in society are, are called on to the best we can, um, affirm and embrace people's process around that as they grow and change in the world. I think that you have just gone above and beyond um, what most parents are able to do for their kids just because of, I mean, it takes a level of uh, bullheadedness, <laughs> Reverend Sex, Alba, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to say, no, this is who my kid is going to be in the world and I'm going to stand by it and I am just going to be their shield until other people pick up on that. Um, it what? helps when you love people. It helps when I have loved enough people to have heard their stories enough times about how incredibly painful it was to be put into a box that they didn't belong in and to be put in any box when they were actually a much more complex and nuanced person than that. It it creates a fierce, my high femme loyalty is very present in that place of being like, I, when I have loved someone and heard their story it makes it much easier for me to be stalwart about what I believe to be true. Mm. What would you say to other parents who may see your point or may want to see your point, but um, are, are scared, you know, or wouldn't be able to go quite far as to change their child's or to, you know, enforce new pronouns for their kid? Um, what are some other ways that they can honor and respect uh, this view that you have of gender and of knowing yourself before, knowing yourself in a way that is, that is grounding and authentic so that when you meet the world, when you meet all of the trials and all of the things that come at you, that you know who you are and you know that, that you have chosen who you are. Um, what would you say to people? Like, what are some other ways that they can allow that to happen? Yeah, that's such a great question. <clears throat> I think part of it, the very first step is just noticing how gendered everything is. From, <clears throat> <clears throat> of like noticing that bathrooms are so segregated and For clothing. No <laughs> yeah, and clothing. I mean, baby clothes. Even though we so have se- completely different body types, like every last one of us has a completely different body type, we still... Uh, stick to men's clothing and women's clothing or even the toy section right like it's not like the mechanical toys and the dolls and the puzzles and the sports equipment it is literally divided up including blue and pink painted on the rows between boys clothes I mean boys toys and girls toys and it's so part of it is just um the beginning of it is a more deeply aware position of, you know, there are things that once you learn it, you can't unlearn it. And once you start seeing how gendered everything is, you can't not notice. And so the first step I would say for parents is just recognizing how intense that is in our world. Mm. Um, And the best you can not falling into it. I know it's really easy to want to dress little girl babies in all the frills and all the curls and, have a pink shower and have, I think, you know, noticing where it is, is the reason why some people would find it so hard to break from that tradition, because it's just, how do you avoid it? You know? 
Yeah, I don't know that you can avoid it, but you can notice that it's there as opposed to what I think Name many it. of us were growing up noticing, which is that some of us noticed that we didn't quite fit into the boxes that were assigned to us. Yeah. Um, and we were named things like tomboys or mm. sissies for boys, but we didn't, but it wasn't named for us that mm. that was not consistent with what could be true. Yeah. So it was so present and so normalized that it makes us feel so weird if we don't fit into those. And so just the very act of being like, I mean, with my kids, sometimes we go into stores and, you know, we buy most of our clothes secondhand at thrift stores and things like that because of our beliefs about consumerism. But just to go into a store and notice how silly is this, that this is in the girl section or that's in the boys section or, <laughs> or it's the same exact know, thing in a different color. <laughs> right. Or even doing it for ourselves, right. As parents noticing what ways do you not fit into the box of woman or man, you know, maybe yeah. you're assigned woman, but you don't like makeup. And that idea of all that primpy and prissy stuff is like a waste of time. Or maybe you love sports. Maybe you love to play sports. Maybe you love to watch sports. All those things are different moments where you have the opportunity to share with your kid an authentic thing about yourself that breaks with the mold of what we are told we are supposed to be. And every, I think, example of kids um, and other adults seeing human beings as more nuanced and more specific than this category of boy, girl, woman, man, um, and just knowing and being in community with folks who are different than us. Yeah. I think it's been so meaningful for my child to be surrounded by both straight and queer community and cisgender people and trans and gender nonconforming people. That there's no one in, in, in this lifetime that will convince my child now, even at seven years old, that there are only two boxes of gender. Because they would laugh at them. It's absurd because they've met enough people who fall outside of those two boxes that that's a silly idea. Um, and so if they have good manners, like I've taught them, they probably wouldn't say so to your face, but it is, That's it would be, part of the equation, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would be silly. It would be a silly thing that just is not true because we have enough lived experience to say that it's not. Well, I can't wait to run into your kid again when they're older and because I think they're going to be a remarkable human being with the ability to... Uh, reach outside the box and then bring it back into perspective for people who are used to structure so um, yeah just the mirror <laughs> image of you it's gonna be good well I hope so I am doing my best on this end as best as we all can do you know yeah thank you Alba you're welcome Okay, bye.